Welcome to the Goals Love Podcast. Open your Bibles with us to 1 Peter chapter 4 as Pastor Pearson leads us in today's lesson. Alright, open your Bibles with me if you would to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. We'll just take a couple of minutes together tonight. 2 Peter chapter 3. The title of my message this evening is Fervent. Fervent. Uh, probably most of you understand what the word fervent means. Uh, the word fervent's not used a lot in our Bible, but it is used both in First and in Second Peter. And I want to draw basically a contrast and a parallel between these two uses of the English word fervent. I want you to see them, and then I want each of you to make a decision about um, what you are going to do about the fervent future, the fervent future. So in 2 Peter chapter 3, I want to begin in verse 9. I tell you what, let's do this first. Let's go to verse 3. So 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. It says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. This is talking about the flood. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. In other words, time, God does not look at days and years like we do. Um, It's really remarkable. The Bible is here making clear that people will mock and scoff concerning the second coming of Christ. And in order to do so, they have to lie about the flood. Now, how many of you were here a few years ago? We had a creation scientist here, and he was talking about um, the fossils around the world. Does anybody remember him talking about the fossils around the world? Does anybody remember what the number one fossil, by far, the number one fossil all over the planet is? Anybody remember? Raise your hand. What was it, young man? Shells, right. Clams. 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 Remember, he said clams. They're everywhere. Clams are everywhere. Guess, guess, guess what fossil is on every mountain top all over the planet? And the answer is clams. Clams. They're everywhere. You want to know why they're everywhere? Because the water was everywhere at one time. Because the water was everywhere. But there was no global, there was no universal global flood. That's what science would like to tell us. Now, the interesting thing is the evidence of it is not just the clams. The evidence of it is pretty clear everywhere. When you, you go to the Great Canyon, if you've ever been, anybody been to the Grand Canyon, if you've been to the Grand Canyon, 
Anybody ever seen the Snake River in the Grand Canyon? That little river must have worked really hard to carve that canyon because it's just a little tiny river. And somehow we're supposed to believe that it carved all of the Grand Canyon, which makes no sense at all. It would take an enormous, maybe a continent worth of water to wash through there to carve the Grand Canyon. I'm just thinking perhaps a continent of water did actually run through there. Because guess what? It did. One of the things that's happened in my lifetime is Mount St. Helen. Mount St. Helen has demonstrated exactly what a catastrophic event looks like. And you can look at it now and say, look at the way it carved things. Look at the way the strata is. Look how the sediment rested. Look how it formed the same thing that we see in the Grand Canyon and all over the world. Science, it's really remarkable because it is it, empirical science is easy. The difficulty with large uh, geological things is that we can't run those in a lab. If you see, now, we are learning, by the way, to do computer models of these things, and the computer models agree with creation science. This is not a creation science lecture. But, but, but the same God that sent the flood is sending a fire. That's what he says, right? The heavens, not just the earth, the heavens and the earth, which are now, which are now, verse 7, by the same word, by the same God, by the word of God, that's what it says in verse 5, it's the same word in verse 7, they are reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. In other words, God is going to destroy the heavens and the earth and the ungodly in a not just worldwide event, but in a universal event. And then it says, but beloved, be not ignorant of this. Why, hasn't it, why has Christ not come back to get us? Why has Jacob's trouble not taken place? Why has Israel not seen whom they have pierced? Why have these things not happened? And that's where I want you to begin in verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Now look up here. God is clearly, clearly, one, just long-suffering, right? This passage is clear. God is long-suffering. We should be more long-suffering than we are. We're not even really short-suffering. It would be one thing to say, you know, that the average person is only short-suffering. No, we don't want to suffer. We are, uh, we are, Ah, suffering. We are opposed to suffering. We want zero suffering. We want our microwave to be able to respond to our commands. We don't even want to. How many of you have a button on your microwave that you just push one button and it, and, it, and, and it works for a minute? Anybody have that button? Everybody has that button. And everybody knows where that button is. By the way, if you push it two times, you get two minutes. Everybody, does everybody know that, right? That's how bad we are. It's like, look, this needs to be five minutes. Well, I don't do all that. Just one, two, three, four, five, and turn around and walk away. But we, and I don't know, I'm sure, by the way, that Alexa will turn your microwave on, probably. You know what I'm saying? Now, you probably ought to put food in it before you do that. And you probably ought to take the aluminum foil off of it before you do that. So be careful what you start asking Alexa to do in your house. What I realize is this. We do not like any kind of suffering or delays. I think it was John James the other day confessing and I've said this before. I don't have, by the way, it's really remarkable. My children will testify to this. I don't have a problem with red lights like I used to. I used to really have a problem with red lights. 
My attitude is this. God is sovereign. And he could make all the lights green as I was driving down the road. And I've always been, and not now, not anymore, but I used to be kind of personally, what's that, offended just a little bit. And it isn't really the red light that bothers me. It's the long green light as you're approaching. You're sitting at a light that's red, and you can see the light that you have to go to next, and it's green. And you can see it for a long time. And then your light turns green, and you start driving, and you get about halfway there, and the light turns yellow. Right? And so now you put, I don't know, anybody else ever notice that? Anybody ever notice that? Now I've come to stop blaming God for that. I just blame the civil engineers who don't seem to know how to do the light system in the Hampton Roads area. So I've just done that. But God has really given me victory over that. And I've come to realize, truly realize, and John has said this, you know, Kenny, I think, made reference to this many years ago. God has probably saved all of us from an accident by stopping us at a red light. You know what I'm saying? There's something, you know, there's some reason why you're stopped at this red light. And I said all that to say this. We do not like suffering, but God is long-suffering. So I made reference to, I have a cousin, his name is Steve, Steve Foster, and he's unsaved. Now, when I was born again, in when I was 22 years old, which is a lot of years ago now, to my knowledge, I was the first person in my extended family, in all of my family, to be born again. My mom was saved pretty much almost immediately after I was. It wasn't even my testimony. The Lord just worked in my wife, my mom's life about the same time he was working in my life, and my mom was born again. Since then, many, my sister, my brother, not my, not my dad, the guy I with that, Eric. Eric rejected the gospel. Eric divorced my mom in their 60s because he wanted to get away from his religious nut family. So when you think of Eric Pearson, pray for Eric Pearson because he needs to be saved. My uncles, aunts, many of them, my grandmother, we all know the wonderful, well, not all of us, so many of you know the wonderful testimony of my 90-something-year-old meanest woman in the world, grandmother, getting saved, truly born again, changed her completely, just like that, and she died just a few months later. How gracious is God? Well, I have a cousin I have a cousin. His name is Steve. He's my age. He's had Crohn's disease all of his life. It was misdiagnosed. He's had a terrible life, a truly terrible life. He hasn't been a good person either in his life. He lived like he lived like I lived before I was saved, only he's never been saved. So instead of having, you know, however many, until I was 22, the whatever you'd say from 16 to 22, the five years of ungodliness that I had, he's had all of that all of his life while being miserably sick all of that time. But he has rejected the gospel. And, and, and I have an opportunity, I think this week, I think I'm going to fly up and go up, and he lives in St. Johnsbury, Vermont, and I'm going to fly up and go spend a couple of days with him and just talk with him. And he, he may say no, but I love him enough to spend the money and the time to go and tell him personally. I could call him, John and I were talking about that this morning, but I'm not going to. It looks like Joyce is doing well enough that I can leave the area, so I'm going to leave the area, and I'm going to go up there, and I'm going to spend some time with him. So you, we're going to pray for Steve. You pray for Steve. You pray for his soul. Again, I don't care. As my, grand, my grandmother rejected the gospel and from so many of her extended family members, and it was what they call a candy striper. You guys remember what a candy striper is? The little a young, you know, 16-year-old girl that works, at a, that works at, a, at a hospital that has no business being in the hospital yet but they just walk around and do whatever they're told to do. She led, a 16-year-old little girl led my grandmother to Christ when I couldn't, my mother couldn't, my aunts couldn't, my uncles couldn't. Nobody could lead her to Christ. This little girl, I don't know, even know what she told her, but she pointed her to Jesus and she trusted Jesus. 
and, 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 and she really, and it changed her life. Amen. Look, you're not too young, young people. You're not too young to point people to Christ. If you know the Lord Jesus, point people to the, point people to the Lord Jesus. So what I want you to see is God's not slack concerning his promise. God does not want anybody. He's not willing that any should perish. But notice what he wants them to do. This is important, but that all should come unto what? Repentance. That's a tough thing. This is what's going to be my, this is what's going to be the stumbling block for my cousin. It's not that he doesn't think he's done things wrong. I just don't think he thinks he's any worse than anybody else. And I have good news for him. He's not any worse than anybody else. But he is as bad as everybody else. And see, this passage doesn't say that the worst would come to repentance, but that all should come to repentance, because we all need to come to repentance. But here's what it says. But the day of the Lord will come. It will come. So in other words, the time of judgment is going to come, and it will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a, here's the first time I want you to see the word fervent, with a fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. And then it says this. Now I want you to think about the two videos that we watched. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, dissolved, dissolved. They will be so destroyed that they won't exist anymore. So let's see if I have anything under here. So here's, here's, here's something. There's a microphone, right? This microphone, this microphone right here probably cost, this part probably cost $500. The receiver costs about $500. Believe it or not, just this part costs $100, right? And we have things like this all over our house. We have, you know, these reasonably expensive pieces of electronics devices. And guess what? I think I might have. So here, I have an iPhone in my pocket, right? What's going to happen to my iPhone? Anybody want to guess? Dissolved, right? What is it you're holding on to that matters to you? So this is not a problem. Most men, we don't have a problem with this. This is a shoe. This is a black shoe. What kind of shoes do you wear? Black and brown. That's what I wear, black and brown shoes. Cordovan sometimes, okay? All right, this is a shoe. What's going to happen to this shoe? Dissolved. Your car, your truck that you just spent a bazillion dollars on. I'm not saying, if you just bought a truck, please don't be mad at me. <laughs> Guess what's going to happen to your truck? Dissolved. Really? You know what's going to happen to the Word of God? Not dissolved. You know what's going to happen to my cousin? I don't. But he's either going to be destroyed in that fervent heat or he's going to be rescued, right? The Arabs. America has a low opinion of Arabs, right? Anybody that flies some, build, some airplanes into building and kills a bunch of people makes us really not their friends, right? Because they're not being ours, if you understand what I'm saying. But do they need Christ or not, right? Do you understand? Dissolved. And then it says after this, seeing that all things shall be dissolved. Here's the question. And this is a question. It says, what manner of person ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to the promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Amen? That's, that, I have that. 
You know, it's interesting. Um, so what do we sing the camp song? What's the name of the song we sang, Kenny? Victory in Jesus, right? I was thinking about this. This is what my cousin asked. He said, I do have a couple of questions, Chuck. He said, I'd like to have peace. And I thought, well, that's good, because that's what I'd like you to have. And what verse comes to your mind? Was there any verse that comes to your mind about peace? Because there's one that comes to my mind always. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Yes? That's what people need. They need peace with God. So what you realize as you look at this is we know that we are looking for a new a new heavens and a new earth. It says, wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. Just trust Christ yourself and say yes to him and be involved in whatever he'd have you to be involved with. Do you know that all the monies that you give, all the monies that you give to missions, all of it goes to missionaries. All of it, all of it. All the money that you give to John and Romans, all of it goes to John and Romans. The church takes care of all of the overhead itself, if you understand what I'm saying. In other words, you don't give to missions, you don't give to John and Romans, and the church takes part of that so that the secretary, all of that comes from completely different, it comes from our ties. All of the salaries come from ties. All that you give to any mission work at all, every single dime of it goes to the missionaries. And it should, yes? So give. Don't just give your tithe. Do give your tithe. You, or the lights, we can't turn the lights on. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we could all just give to missions, and that's great. We just have to meet at your house, right? But if we're going to meet here, we have to turn the air conditioner or the heat on and, and the lights and, and pay our water bill and stuff like that because we can't be bad stewards. We have to be good stewards. So do these things. Recognize what matters. Assemble together. Be burdened. Pray for your missionaries. Our finances are not what's keeping our missionaries on the field. That's what's feeding our missionaries. Prayer is what keeps them on the field. It is the power of God in their lives as we pray for them. That's what they need. This, so there is a fervent heat coming. There is a fervent heat coming. But before we end tonight, I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter 4. Because I want you to see one more fervent. And then I want you to make a decision. For the rest of your lives, young people, it is time to start making some important decisions about your future. And when you're making those decisions, I want you to remember this message and the, and the idea of fervent. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, in other words, he came and became flesh for us so he could suffer, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For, for the time past of our lives may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. That was, that was the way we all lived at one point, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them in the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. So you don't live like that anymore, and people talk bad about you because of that. Who shall give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? Understand this, God is the one who's going to make all of the judgments. Don't worry about what anybody else says, just worry about what God says. 
For for this cause, the gospel was preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. So here's the same truth, the same exact truth. There is an end of all things coming, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. So knowing that everything's coming to an end, be, be sober-minded. Now, this is not simply saying don't get drunk or do drugs. That's not just what it's saying. It does include that, but the idea is think correctly about what you're going to do with the rest of your time. And while you're doing that, be watchful in prayer. And then it says this, and above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Now look up here for me for just a moment. I understand fervent heat. Do you understand fervent heat? So I was talking, I was joking with Manny. So Manny likes the weather. We were discussing the weather. We discussed the weather. We stand outside together a lot. So we're staying in the weather a lot. Manny's idea of comfortable weather and my idea of comfortable weather. Well, today was a day we could both agree on. It was in the 70s. It was a little bit of a breeze. It wasn't humid. And he said, it's nice out. And I said, it is nice out. And he would like that to be the lowest temperature ever. And I would like it to be the highest temperature ever. So everything above 73 to me becomes unpleasant. Literally, everything, every degree above 73 is like, oh, uh, uh, uh. By the time you get to 85, I just don't want to go outside anymore, if you understand what I'm saying. Now, Manny, on the other hand, 85, he's loving it. What did you say his air conditioner said on 96? I think that's what he says. So their air conditioner comes on in their house when it gets to be 90. I'm, I'm just joking. But he did say that, but I'm not sure that that's really a true state. But listen, listen. I said that to say this. I'm not confident that when the fervent heat comes, even Manny will be comfortable. Because fervent heat, we, anybody understand a campfire? Does anybody understand the difference between a campfire and a fire used to melt metals? Well, the Mongol young man back there does, right? The, the, the difference between being able to build a campfire and to build something hot enough so that when you put metal into it, it begins to melt, right? Those are, that's fervent heat, right? A blast furnace is a fervent heat. When the universe melts, it's going to be hotter than that. It's going to be hotter than that. I understand that kind of fervent. But what does this passage say? And above, listen to me, above, so on the, on the back wall, it says this. Now, the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart, a good conscience, and faith unfeigned. The goal is love. Yes? But what is this passage? Knowing that we're coming to an end of all things, we're living in the last days, this is what it says, right? Verse 7, but the end of all things is at hand. Yes? If that's true, above all things, the end of all things is at hand. And so with the time that's left, above everything else, have what? Fervent charity. What does that look like? I understand aggressive heat. Yes? I understand aggressive, fervent sports. Yes? Right? Everybody, unfortunately, understands fervent sports. Right? People playing baseball getting a little out of hand. People playing basketball. People playing a pickup basketball game willing to throw down. Right? That's fervent. But what does fervent love look like? Well, one, it's going to be on purpose, isn't it? Isn't it? And here's what fervent love, fervent love, like fervent heat, is unextinguishable. I will love you, even if you're not 
loving me back. The world needs people that understand what that is. It says, above all things, have fervent heat among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same to one another. In other words, whatever you have, the gift here is talking about actually having an ability to have any kind of finances. As you have things, be willing to share those things as a good steward of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, in other words, doing what I'm doing right now, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister as we minister to each other, let us do it with the ability that God gives us, that God in all things may be glorified through our Lord Jesus Christ, to whom be Praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Yes? Now, that's it. I don't think I need to say anymore. This is what we need. Okay, so let me sum up. Everything's coming to an end. Everything's coming to an end. And it's all going to, all going to dissolve. Please remember this, okay? i got to make sure I put this microphone back. It's all going to dissolve. What are you holding on to that isn't going to dissolve? And the answer is physically nothing. Physically nothing. The thing that's distracting you from walking with the Lord Jesus like he would have you to walk with him, dissolving. Not go- Dr. Sells used to say it this way. It was Boy, it was convicting when I was a young Christian. He said at some point in the near future, Jesus is going to throw this entire world over his shoulder like a trash. And we'll be clinging to it like morons as we go over his shoulder. Oh, no, not that. That was valuable to me. Think about that. And then think about this, fervent love. Now, you'll have to decide. Each one of you have to decide yourselves. I have to decide myself. By the way, daily, which of these things matters more? The fervent heat is coming. And everything will be dissolved. So you be... Better start caring about fervent love. Yes? Not casual love. I love you so long as you love me. That's not love at all, right? Again, I said it this morning, the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church, I will gladly spend and be spent. I'll tell you right now, those of you that have ministered, spending is one thing, being spent is another. Being spent is far harder than spending. Though the more abundantly I love you, agape, by the way, the less I be loved. So he's loving them and they're not loving him back, but he will still gladly spend and be spent. So be good stewards of your money, of your time, but most importantly, of God's love that he wants to pour into your life. Stand with me if you would. Thank you for taking time to listen. If you have any questions, you can reach us at thegoalislove.org. If you would like to hear more of God's Word, we would love for you to subscribe. We hope you have a wonderful day. God bless.